Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win! Don't you open your mouth about the best. Oh, yeah, I'm going to send it for you real quick. L-O-B. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? I got nothing to lose. It's nothing to man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. Instead of saying, why me? They're saying, this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland! This is for you! The way we approach the game is the same way we approach life. You do the right thing. You make the right play. You make the right play. And in life, it's the same thing. What do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? And you do that. You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And um, uh, I think it's just that. Welcome to what? The game. Me. To me. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What the Game Means to Me. I'm your host, of course, Jelani Brown, and I have a very, very special guest with me today, um, legend Mr. Denny Lennon from uh, Sports Stories with Mr. Denny Lennon. Um, so how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, Jelani. I appreciate you uh, calling me Mr. I don't know that I've heard that, but, uh, you know, I've had 40 years of coaching, so I do have a lot of young people that call me coach. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm actually uh, kind of related to, I'm just now getting, well, not just now, I've been coaching for about three years. I coach uh, development of basketball, so I've been getting into that. It's a, it's, it's a little weird because, like, I'm only, well, I just turned 24, but they're, like, not that much younger than me, like, right. uh-huh. maybe six, seven years apart, so it's like, I still kind of yep. feel like I'm one of them, but hearing that coach or mister or whatever is just, you know, got to get used to it. Well, but, you know, like, I started when I was about 19, 20. 20 years old or so, but now I have uh, actual grandfathers that'll go, hey, coach, what's up? Oh, yeah, yeah, stuff like, yeah, even like the parents and stuff, it gets a little taken, yeah. you know. I yeah. walk by like, hey, coach, how you doing? I'm like, good, good. And I'm just like, not thinking they talking to me because I still kind of feel like a player my, player myself. So. It, it's an um, honor. It's an honor to earn that. So good luck definitely. to you, buddy. Appreciate it, appreciate it. But again, like I said, I got my guest on, Mr. Uh, Danny Lennon. Um, really excited about a conversation that we're going to have today. First question I always typically ask my guests when they come on, the name of the podcast is uh, what the game means to me. So just in general, like what do sports mean to you or what have they meant to you in your life? And just kind of like where did that love from sports come from? Right. Yeah, there's never been a time in my life that sports wasn't there and wasn't the, you know, like the central theme. I grew up in a really big family. Um, I'm one of like 60 cousins in a particular generation and I'm the youngest of seven in my own family. And a lot of us grew up in the same community in Venice, California. And so there was always a built-in group of cousins that could get games going and play, Mm -hmm. let alone my school that I went to, the St. Mark's school, was only a block away. So you had your friends from there, had all my cousin friends, so we could always get games going either in my front yard, backyard, or Mm -hmm. on the street. And so sports was always something. And and for whatever reason, Jelani, when I grew up, I was just affixed to – a couple of things in basketball, 
was pretty much the one that was up front and center, but it was it was the Lakers back in those days that I was super into. But in particular, UCLA basketball, I was really into it because it was at, oh, the, yeah. it was at the end of the John Wooden era. I was yep. born in 64 when he won his first championship, and I was you know really pumping and playing sports in 75 when he won his last one. Mm-hmm. So all of that was really central and important to me. And, uh, and I was fortunate, too. I had a lot of people around me who took me to games and yeah. encouraged me playing sports and so forth. Yeah, of course, yeah. I, um, similar, I'm a, uh, I, of course, USCLA definitely you know, cemented all their championships. I'm a U- UNC fan. Um, sure. Tar Heel, so kind of yep. same thing, I guess, when I started growing up. It was like, well, they just had a lot of prominent players, obviously, that, that played with them. I guess when I was born, I was born in 96. Um, yeah, you but, had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like Vince Card and all the other, like Antoine Jameson and all these other yeah, you know, people. And my whole family's from North Carolina, so it kind of just caught on. Um, but also, I guess we share a little similarity about the cousins thing. I grew up around my cousins a lot. So we nice. was always from our backyard, backyard baseball, football, yep. football. Yeah, with the neighborhood kids, even with um, my friends as well. I'd invite them over and stuff. And pretty much, like you said, I always was able to get a game going no matter what, game. what it may be. So. It's really, really cool, really cool. Like When I, I couldn't get a game, I would coach the little kids on the block. I'd coach uh-huh. them up so that they could play well enough to uh, round out the game. And, I, and I'm pretty sure like that's where I got my start. Eventually, what would be a 40-year career coaching yep. was because I was coaching up the little kids because I needed a, a few more to fill in. Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> kind of segue into, I guess, my le- next question, too. And you say, I know you've had a, a lot of different uh, positions in the sports industry. Yep. Uh, I know you've you know, coached. You've uh, done broadcasting, all those type of things. Uh, I guess when and where did you, I guess, know that you wanted to pursue a career in sports? And uh, like, did it kind of come naturally or did you, know, you know, go to school for it? Um, kind of how did that come about? Yeah, um, it did come naturally. You know, I mean, even going back to when I was eight years old, I was fortunate that my godfather was friends with the Laker coach. Oh, wow. So I used to get to go to the local uh, LMU, which mm-hmm. was Loyola Marymount, and, and sit and watch them practice. And so I sat there and would watch, you know, it was a team with Jerry West and Gail Goodrich mm-hmm. and Will Chamberlain and 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 all, and all of them. And and it was so cool to watch that team that eventually won the championship, right? But more importantly, after we'd go hang out in the Marina Towers, what was then called the Marina Towers, where Bill Sharman, the legendary mm-hmm. coach, he was also legend in a lot of ways. He was the general manager of the Lakers after, uh, where he lived. And I would listen to the adults talk. And I'd listen to him in particular talk. And I think that's my first remembrance of like somebody that was like a coach. And I remember being so impressed that he actually coached Jerry West. He actually yeah. was the coach of Will Chamberlain. Like I, I was like, wow, you know, like that's something. But, you know, when you're little, your plan is to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm, it's exactly. not until, you know, you get a certain point where you go, okay, you know, maybe I'm not good enough. And so, uh, you know, I was playing junior college basketball and I tore up my leg. Uh, wow. And so um, I had a decision to make whether to sit there in red shirt with no money or mm-hmm. to come home and start working. And that and I and I chose the latter and I came back to the school that I, I actually went to, uh, St. Mark's School in Venice. And the eighth, who was my eighth grade teacher, had now become the principal. Uh, and so <laughs> she said she'd love to hire me. And so she handed me the reins and, and she's been, you know, my, my greatest mentor, uh, Sister Martha Raleigh. I got to shout her out because she's the best. And so... Um, she, uh, she gave me the opportunity and I started coaching, you know, doing PE and coaching and watching the yards at recess. And that's where that started. And then um, my cousins and I, we started this, uh, we like to play volleyball too. So we started mm-hmm. a volleyball tournament in my own backyard because yeah. we had big backyards. Yeah. And it, within years, Jelenia grew to five backyards and three front yards all on one block in Venice. Oh, wow. We would block the street off and about a thousand people would come and, and, and just blew up. 
-hmm. And from that, I got identified. And so they picked me up on the women's pro beach volleyball tour. And I started going from city to city. You know, I asked sister, Mm -hmm. could I leave half day Friday so I can get Mm -hmm. to some city, do a promotional appearance and then announce all day Saturday, Sunday, back at work on Monday. And I did that. For a number of years so that's kind of where the broadcasting thing started mm-hmm. and then all of the coaching started just like that and uh slowly but surely everything grew including my you know affiliation with the amateur athletic union yeah according to say you kind of touched on a little bit that was actually my next question um about kind of how you got into the, the backyard beach uh you know because i know you founded it in uh, 1983 am i correct that's right yep found in 1983 right. i just kind of like we're uh I guess where that love for volleyball come from and kind of like where, where the idea um, and pursuit to, you know, kind of come up with that venture come from. Um, it, yeah, like it grew pretty quickly. Yeah, it sure did. My family was, um, you know, my uh, I had an uncle. Uh, his name is Jimmy Lennon. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a famous boxing announcer and his yep. son carries on in his name now, Jimmy Lennon Jr. So that's yeah. my cousin. Yeah. And um, so from him and as well as others, uncles of mine, the promotional idea the let's make this a big deal was mm-hmm. always something in my family so when we started that backyard volleyball tournament we made sure to have a pa system to announce everybody to hand out nicknames hand yeah. out awards yeah and doing it big yeah do it big yeah that's yeah. exactly right so when we did that, that that got a lot bigger and so and so then you know from, from there i had two other aunts that lived on the same block so their backyards were secured mm-hmm. and then it was just a matter of convincing everybody else so that grew you know, but out of that, like I said, my affiliation with Pro Beach Volleyball Group, but in particular, one guy came up to me that I knew from Catholic school coaching that said, hey, I, I work AAU baseball. You want to do AAU beach volleyball for kids because there's there's no program to teach younger people how to play mm-hmm. the sport of beach volleyball, right? They always had to play an adult tournament. So it really oh, it, wow. it only allowed a few of yeah, them to break through. Exactly. Yeah. So we started a comprehensive program for for junior players anywhere from – 18 and under, down all the way to 10 and under. And from what we started with just 32 kids on a beach in 1994, mm-hmm. um, it has grown into a national uh, tour and program wow. that has, I don't know, 100,000 or so. And oh, that wow. is, you know, spawned uh, high school beach volleyball, college volleyball, uh, beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the Olympics have grown uh, to, to much bigger levels. So we had, a, you know, we had a significant part in developing the junior side of that. So that's kind of how, how it all came. What, one thing came after the other, and mm-hmm. you know, I admire that you're 24 years old and you're getting started into this, you know, discipline right yeah. away, right? And yeah. then do the work that you need to do to get better, and that's just what we were doing too. You know, you just you did the next thing and you did mm-hmm. it the best you could. Yep, exactly. It's all about you know, first I guess getting your foot out or getting your foot in the door, doing what you got to do, or getting out there first off. And yeah. you know, like you said, just trying to get better, better, and better, progress things to to new heights. I respect that. I like that. Yeah, same thing. Like I said, I'm going to talk a little bit off here, but I just started this in May. And um, luckily, like I said, was able to find find you. You were able to reach out. And then I was able to, you know, get on with you, um, you know, and talk sports. I love doing that at all times and just learning more about people and their uh, stories and paths. I know you got a lot of cool stories. Yeah. Soon we're going to get into. So. Yeah, sure. Um, another thing I know you found it was uh, Linen Sports. And of course, like you said, you were the co-founder of um, the AAU sector of a uh, junior beach volleyball. So, how was it starting those two projects? Like we kind of just like said, like what was the, um, I guess the the initial point to make you kind of jump in and just jump in and, and do it and just kind of like you know have it grow to as big as it's grown. What uh, was that? Yeah, inspiration I, that? I think you know so some of that's like a lot of people do things because they need to. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I grew up in a big family. My you know we weren't 
we weren't by any means poor, but we weren't rich either. So there wasn't any real opportunity to just kind of uh, find your way. You mm-hmm. had to make your way. And, exactly. and that was, you know, that's just something that all of us just grew up doing. We had a lot of love and community built in with our family and certainly our extended family in Venice. Uh, and then I, you know, have a bigger family being the head coach and, and the athletic director at St. Mark. So mm-hmm. all of that allowed me to be able to build these projects. So whether that was the AU Beach, but, you know, Lennon Sports came out of the idea of now, you know, having a, a real entity that mm-hmm. oversaw the backyard championships, that oversaw, you know, my involvement with the AU Beach program. And that also allowed me to run like camps and clinics mm-hmm. so that my kids at St. Mark's could get better in sports yeah. and so all you know so that's kind of how that came and one just grew out of the other that grew out of the other and um you just you just do the work you just do the work exactly yeah yeah with um with that too like uh i guess what made you i guess decide like ju- like junior uh sports programs like because i know like we'll get into it a little later but you've coached um you know mm-hmm. young like uh girls basketball team at, i think your sure. former high school and then uh you know the junior beach volleyball and everything like where i guess is that love where i I guess, working with kids come from? Yeah, you know, I, I guess, you know, part of it was well, what I told you was, you know, I had to round up some kids to, to make mm-hmm. games go on my yard. And so then I found, you know, I had an aptitude for it. And um, and also I know my games when I played and I was mm-hmm. eight or 10 or 12 years old, they meant as much to me then as my games meant as a varsity football player mm-hmm. later in life, right? Yeah. Every game is super important as are those like practices as are every part of your involvement. And so I never lost uh, acknowledging that that was important to young people, mm-hmm. no matter how young they were. And yeah. so you, you coach accordingly. That doesn't mean you're trying to drive them like you would an 18 year old, but it means mm-hmm. acknowledging that, that it's important to them means it should be important to you and you should give them the best information you can to let them succeed. And so that, and then just really diving in and studying the work of John Wooden, where I realized it was more than just winning. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he rarely used that word. He mm-hmm. was much more about, you know, success and being yeah. the best you can be, right? Yep. So when I started to read his books and learned that, uh, it made it easy to to provide the same information and philosophy to a 12-year-old as mm-hmm. it was to an 18-year-old, as it was to, you know, being um, an athletic director for a 24-year-old coach. Mm-hmm. And even all of those things, the same kind of um, philosophy w- was working. And so... You know, that, that all worked together for me. And that's why junior programs, high school programs, mm-hmm. whatever it was, they all they all grew accordingly. Exactly. Um, I guess real quick before I still go into another uh, topic, what what would um I guess your advice be to maybe young coaches young coaches out there, even for me as well? Kind of like what is the qualities um that we should be like having or looking for when we're, you know, working with these young kids? Because, you know, sometimes like you said, like we were just talking about John Williams, like not always focusing on winning, but you know, focusing on like, you know, what their likes and, you know, likes and interests are in the sport right. and having them grow and kind of mold them into growing young adults and everything like that. So right. like, what is just like the qualities or um, like just any advice you might have for coaches that may want to get into this, get into sports and coaching, uh, you know, younger generations. You, ta- you, you touched on some of it already, which is being uh, interested and in acknowledging mm-hmm. their life. Um, you know, like a good story would be, you know, why did the best player in the country then Lou Alcindor, eventually mm-hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Why did he come out and play from come from Power Memorial in New York City? Every every right wanted him. Mm-hmm. Why did he come to Los Angeles? Yeah. And what was it that made him want to play for Coach Wooden? And his recruiting trip never once did they talk about basketball. Okay. Coach Wooden understood 
that that was a highly intelligent kid. Mm -hmm. And he talked to him about literature and philosophy and about what he wanted to do and nothing to do about basketball. He said, certainly we got that. You're a good player. Look, let's, let's feed the mind. Mm -hmm. And, and so that was coach Wooden acknowledging that he was more than a basketball player. And that's an important lesson for all coaches to learn is that you're working when you're working with these young people or you're working with anybody that it's more than, than what's, what's just right out in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so that you got to acknowledge that, you know, I've had uh, positions at really high end schools mm -hmm. with, with kids that could afford 40 and $50,000 a year tuition. And I've had nice. positions mm -hmm. with schools that had to be funded on a grant mm -hmm. because those kids could only play. And when it started to get dark, you had to get them home. And then they had to stay below the line of the windows because their mm -hmm. homes were dangerous and they didn't have food there. So I've worked with all levels. And yet you realize that all young people have issues and problems mm -hmm. and aspirations. And they also have, you know, families and community. And so when you learn to be open to who they are as a person, you'll be so much better as a coach. One of the great things I like, Jelani, and I wish for you and anybody mm -hmm. that's a young coach is when I run into my ex-players now, and my ex-players are anywhere from young 50s <laughs> to, um, to, you know, 15, mm -hmm. right? They generally want to say hello and want to mm -hmm. relive memories with me. I spent my first year yelling a little too much, coaching like I was coached. Yeah. I quickly learned I didn't like it and it wasn't getting, it was a band-aid. Yeah. It wasn't really fixing and making the team better. And when I learned to like work with them, still disciplined, mm -hmm. still moving them forward, still trying to win championships, mm -hmm. but right. Having respect for them, working with them, not making them work for me. When I did that, everything changed. All of the expectations that they had were their own mm -hmm. in line with our team. And now I, I can run into these people and feel good because mm -hmm. I helped them and not, and not, you know, uh, punish them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that's what's important. And, it, and, and that's not easy when the mm -hmm. other coach is yelling at their players <laughs> and, and, and getting some short-term results and you're losing the game, you mm -hmm. feel like you got to yell at yours to pick it up. Yes. That's, that's not easy, but got to be true to yourself and know that, that your best interest is the best interest of your players. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I'm kind of learning that day by day as well with maybe some of the uh, older coaches that I coach with now, because um, when I first started out, kind of like you said, like I, I felt like I was coaching as if coaching the way I used to be coached, right. which I guess the area I'm in isn't probably isn't best fit for that. And the kids that I work with probably isn't best fit for that either. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like just kind of had to learn, you know, talk with other coaches. I have a, a good coach that's still with me um, now, Coach Merritt, and uh, another one as well. Um, but yeah, both of them just like their guidance and them having worked with the kids before and kind of me just learning, picking up off them. Pretty much everything you just said is kind of like what I'm learning and pretty much doing as a process. And I even got to keep that in mind tonight because I actually have a game at six o'clock. So. That's it, baby. <laughs> Game day, it's exciting. Yeah. And just by the thought of you, um, you doing the work like you are right now for mm -hmm. this, it shows you know just me who just just met you, shows me that you're probably a thoughtful person. Yeah. That, you, that you that you're not rash, that you're not you're not hot tempered mm -hmm. and stuff. So there's no reason to use those you know traits. Mm -hmm. You want to be yourself, but your best self when you coach. Exactly. And so just by that reasoning and and can then convincing your players that it's in their best interest and the team's best interest. That's the best way. And so, you know, you, you got the traits. Now it's just a matter of honing those skills. Exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah, because a little bit off of me, uh, segue back into uh, 
more about your discussion and your stories. One thing before I start talk about like maybe a lot of the people that you you know gotten to meet along the way um, yep. with it with your venture, your podcast. Um, like I said, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you know you've had your head in a lot of different things, coaching, um, mm-hmm. athletic director, um, promote promotions, all that type of things. Guess tell me a little bit more about each of those positions. Um, also, I know you was a play by play analyst as well, um, mm-hmm. but if you could just tell us a little bit more about those positions and just kind of like. Um, how are you able to balance those along with, you know, during those times, I know you were starting up these different projects like, um, you know, the AAU sector, junior beach volleyball and sure. linen sports. And then, you know, your backyard, backyard vintage yeah. beach uh, championships as well. So. Well, you know, um, one, one thing that's, that's, that's interesting and you'll find this out is that the most important thing I did was none of those. It was raising a family. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as, as things started to happen, you know, then all of a sudden, married now i got i got a boy 28 and a girl 25 who are off on their lives now but mm-hmm. while that was happening that's always priority number one and mm-hmm. it was uh, such an honor to be able to coach them on teams and to see them play with other coaches and mm-hmm. see them perform and do well and be good teammates like that that was the greatest thing that's i did yeah. right but along the way uh, promoting events you know just came naturally and um you know whether that was my family or just the environment i was in that was part of it. But like once I learned how to put um, one of my events on television, mm-hmm. you know, because I had done some announcing on television when I had announced the introductions of Women's Pro Beach and stuff. So mm-hmm. once I kind of learned how that worked, the the best thing for the budget was to hire myself as the play by play guy. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I worked for zero. And so that was that was big. Right. So then then I just threw myself in there and learned how to do that. And then once I had those out, other people started to hire me to be a play-by-play or an analyst. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how that worked. It was just like not being afraid to take that next leap and then, and then the kind of the, just like to do it. And so, yeah, you know, all, all of that was happening at the same time. And then like, you know, you could be the greatest coach, but if you don't have the players, mm-hmm. you know, best laid plans aren't going anywhere. Exactly. And so I had really good people around me. Uh, some that came up that played for me that mm-hmm. understood what it was to be on a, in a team project. Others that I saw, that I said, you know what, I like that kid, or you know what, that guy Jelani, mm-hmm. he he thinks he prepares, and I try to bring those kind of people mm-hmm. into the fold. In circle, yeah. They're helping me doing the promotions and stuff because they're going to be you to your frontline customer, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I got a problem over here and it's a big event and I'm dealing with this, I'm like Jelani, go right, and I got to mm-hmm. trust that you can go do it. And so I lined myself up with good people, and so that allowed I think all of those ventures to grow. Of course, yep. Like you said in the beginning, number one is family. Number one, yeah. yeah, putting family first, and then having them in your corner. They're always in your corner. I think pretty much you're slated to succeed in anything. Um, yeah. And then also, like you said, making sure you surround yourself with the right people and bring them into your circle to always, you know, help you grow. Yep. Perfect, perfect formula, perfect recipe. Next thing I wanted to kind of ask and get into was, you know, like I said, you have your own sports podcast where you know you do guys do blogs youtube videos and all of that and i've checked a lot of them out and i really enjoy you guys' production what was uh your inspiration from start for starting your own podcast um you know sports stories with danny lennon so you know i've been uh my, my daughter was uh moving back about 13 years ago or something like that 14 years ago uh my daughter was on her way to go to high school mm-hmm. uh i was out around the country doing a lot of beach volleyball events and also developing some things, just mm-hmm. traveling too much. My boy was going in about to a senior year of high school at Loyola High School, and mm-hmm. I was missing my kids a lot because, you know, I was getting back from most stuff, but, man, yeah. I was really, I was putting myself in a bad position, doing, taking red-eye flights all the time, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so 
there was an opportunity that opened at, at a, at a um, high-end kind of private girl school in Brentwood, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, west side of Los Angeles. And this opportunity presented itself to be the athletic director there at a really underperforming all-girls school. They, mm -hmm. you know, they're middle school and upper school, and they, they didn't win anything. And so it's a great <laughs> opportunity to go in there. And, I, and my daughter went in in ninth grade to the school at that point. So I went there. We got things turned around pretty quick. And within, you know, six, seven years, we're challenging for some state championships. We're like right in, in the heart of it, whether that was track or whether that was softball, yeah, ball, whatever it was, sport, yeah. we got really good, right? And so then it got to the point where I think it was overwhelming mm -hmm. for the school's administration that mm -hmm. they were like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> why are our girls, you know, having to go to Sacramento? W yeah. Wait a second. Why did the season just extend itself another month? You know, and we're like, because we're in the state finals. So, yeah, so you're winning. <laughs> and so there started to be, and I just went, you know what? I've always had this idea. And so my uh, administrative assistant at that time, her name is Marley Rice. Mm -hmm. And uh, she used to play for me back in the day. Two-time Western League MVP, girls oh, basketball, wow. Venice High, baby. Ooh, All right, 28 game in high school. You better communicate with you. Mm -hmm. So we, um, I was like, hey, I got an idea. You know, and of course, I talked to my wife, uh, Christine, and I was like, I'm going to, you know, per usual, you know, I'm going to need your help, too. And um, she and I was like, let's just do it. Like, let's go all out, all in. Mm -hmm. And 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 it was like I had some other offers to be an athletic director at other schools, steady mm -hmm. pay, health benefits, that kind of thing. I took the, the road that was more difficult, mm -hmm. but more fulfilling. And so and, you know, my kids are out of the house. They're on their lives. I'm like, let's do it. And so mm -hmm. that's what we did. And and Jelani, we're still working for zero dollars. However, we've gained an audience. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of content and a lot of contacts. Mm -hmm. And things are really starting to crack, right? Mm -hmm. Things are really starting to ha happen. Mm -hmm. and, and it took us a while to get to this point, maybe, you know, six, seven, eight months, nine months. But but we're getting to a point now where we're getting recognition. I got Jerry West coming in next week. I got Jeff Perlman, oh, wow. the author of Three Ring Circus, coming in. Yep. I mean, when you're dealing with people like that, like all of a sudden, I was like, well, I just heard him on, on Colin Coward's show. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I feel like, you know, we're getting somewhere. Exactly. And we're building um, our own our own universe, our own group of people that are, are consistent to our program and then bringing in some of the bigger names here and there. But we're still trying to do the same premise, which is unique mm -hmm. and uplifting sports stories, right? Unique, yeah. uplifting sports stories. Because I want to get into this in order to hopefully – raise people's ideas yeah. and raise people's enthusiasm about what life can be. Exactly. And congratulations on the, you know, getting those uh, different guests to come on. Um, yeah. Kind of like, I'm, this is kind of like what you just said, like, you know, working towards, you know, getting those type of guests, I guess kind of, that's how I've kind of felt having you on today. Thank you. Um, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, like I said, we're both just working. And like I said, I checked out a lot of you guys' content, watched uh, a lot of different of you guys' YouTube videos. And that's kind of like the next thing I wanted to get into. Um, was one or two of them that I saw the first one, um, the Norm Bass interview. Um, Bam! Was the, yep, that's what we got, man. <laughs> yep, it's a, that, that was a pretty good one. It was, you know, the first uh, <laughs> said post World War II African American to play both uh, professionally football and uh, right. baseball. Kind of, yep. how did you uh, you know lock in that interview? I think when I was listening, you guys met at a YMCA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I don't know if you didn't realize it was him or he thought you he already thought you knew who he was, something yeah, like both. that. So I, Kind of, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of uh, just talk about like that interview, things that you might have yeah. learned, how that interview came about. Oh, I, learned, I learned an awful lot. Okay, here's what I learned first. The guy's hilarious, and I love <laughs> people that are funny. 
and he is really funny because he constantly like i would go to the like what's the senior pool kind yeah. of and then that's where i just kind of warm up for a second and then i go swim some laps mm -hmm. so he's always in he would always be over there and so i just struck up a conversation with him and here's what i noticed right away the guy is so funny like he's he's got a <laughs> thing about everybody he's mm -hmm. giving him a little bit of a hard time right but yeah. everybody knows him and everybody loves when he comes around mm -hmm. also that's noticed cool. he was dealing you know, with, with something, man, he's he, at the time he's like 80 years old and mm -hmm. he had a hard time with, with one of his arms. And then I'd see him in the locker room and it took him an excruciatingly long time just to like dress and undress and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I respected him so much because he did it every day, man. Yeah. He would, he never missed. Cause I don't miss. I just always do my workouts no matter what. Right. I just, mm -hmm. it's just, it's it frees my mind. And, and so I was like, so I really respected this guy, not just like ever taking a day off. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and also he's funny. So and then one day I just saw a flyer and it said, and it said what you, you, you had described him. And I was like, what the, and I asked him, <laughs> he goes, oh, you got to look me up. You got to look me up, man. And I was like, okay. And I did. And I found out his older brother was Dick Bass, who was a running mm -hmm. back for the Rams, all pro running back. Yeah. And then him, and that those two were like legends out of Vallejo, mm -hmm. Northern California area, kind of not far from Oakland. Yeah. Right. And then, and then they eventually came this way when, when Dick Bass made his way to Los Angeles Rams is when they, they housed out down mm -hmm. here. But, in the day, man, they, they were running the joint up in Vallejo. They mm -hmm. were all around athletes. They played every sport and they were the best ones at their high school and everything, yeah. including Norm. Norm could throw, <laughs> you know, in the nineties when he was in high school as a pitcher, mm -hmm. he hit the furthest ball in baseball and nobody ever said anything like that. Exactly. He was the shrine MVP. He took the North, came down and beat the South. Oh, mm -hmm. he wasn't the MVP. They picked the white kid mm -hmm. who had a bigger name. Norm would tell me this and I was cracking up. I was like, <laughs> you know who they picked? I got, I got a feeling. And so they, yeah. That said, like Norm, he didn't take it mm -hmm. as anything other than, okay, this is what it is. And he just did the next thing, right? Yeah. And I just admired him. And so the more I got to know him, I said, Norm, I'm starting a podcast. You would be gold for me. He's like, Perfect. okay, I'm working a deal. My son wrote a book. There might be a movie. There might be this or might be that. Mm -hmm. And none of those things ever happened. And so finally he goes, let's do it. And so here's the beauty of him for, for your listeners to know. Yeah. He was... He was first, uh, you know, drafted out of high school by the can what was in the Kansas City A's. They're now the Oakland A's, mm -hmm. right? So he's with the Kansas City A's. That's big league ball, yeah. and he's a good pitcher. He has a good rookie year, second year, and stuff. But he's starting to notice some things when he comes back, and he's hanging in L.A. And they were like the party central of L.A. Any mm -hmm. entertainers or athletes, black or entertainers, black athletes that were coming to town, they mm -hmm. partied with them. They had yeah. their big thing. So he's meeting all these people, Cassius Clay. Aretha Franklin, Red oh, Fox, wow. doesn't matter. All yeah, these people are coming, yeah. and they're rolling with them. They call themselves the Black Pack. There's about six, seven of them, <laughs> and they're having yeah. some fun, right? They're having a good old time. I love that era of Los Angeles, yeah. like the '60s. It's, it's, you yeah. know, it's like it's, yeah. it's, it's. I just, I just like all of that. So anyway, so I was real interested in that. But then he, he starts having these issues where he can't grip the baseball accordingly, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. eventually, he, he can't grip it hardly at all, and he gets played down to the minors. He's like, man, I'm out of here. So now he goes and he tries out for the Denver Broncos. There's, there's 140 guys try out. He makes the team. He starts wow. first. Starts. At He's fast. He can guard anybody. Mm -hmm. But after his first couple games of collision, mm -hmm. his body just won't do it. He gets diagnosed finally rheumatoid arthritis and severe. Wow. It's going to, so at so 25 years old, he's barely a year older than you, Jelani. Yeah. He's done. No more sports. And he's a That's bitter funny. man for a long time. He yeah. takes a, he takes a, a job with late hours at mm -hmm. a, at an aerospace industry uh, mm -hmm. out in Southern California. And, and he, but he's able off of there to get his home in Inglewood to, to raise a family stuff. 
but he's not a good father. He'll admit that now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's bitter that he got run out of what he wanted to do. Exactly. Eventually, through uh, faith, through redemption, what have you, he finds his way back. And one of the vehicles that he finds his way back is he picks up the sport of table tennis. And he oh, gets wow. really good at it. And eventually he goes down to Rogers Parks and he starts playing everybody. And they were pay- playing. They're predominantly like Asian group that was down there playing. Mm-hmm. Stuff. So it was a very mm, polite game. He comes <laughs> in and starts chipping and making uh-huh. all these shots and talking it up and whooping things up. He likes to call yeah. it whooping, right? And, <laughs> and, but, he, but everybody loves the guy just like everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. So he, he go, they start saying, come travel with our team. And so they start to travel and play in these tournaments. He gets really good. He finds out that he, got, he could get diagnosed as a Paralympic athlete. So now he's a Paralympic athlete, although much older than the other Paralympic athletes, Mm -hmm. and he wins like the national championships. He gets designated, and he goes to the 2000 Olympic Games and wins the bronze medal in Sydney, Australia. That is an unbelievable story. Yeah, unbelievable. He's he's like 67 or something or 65, Mm -hmm. and he wins. He beats all these younger guys, and and as he said, I I run the table with those cats. I go, (laughs) next. Who's up next? I love this guy. So he has this unbelievable life. And then since then, he's continued to like um, teach at his his church with young people. Mm -hmm. He has continued to inspire everybody around him about doing the things. And yet he has dealt with this oncoming rheumatoid arthritis. He's Mm -hmm. got it to the point where he has to have a special diet, medication stuff. But he man, he never gave up and he's never lost enthusiasm. So when I convinced him finally to do the podcast and he said, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We're doing it. He came. And he showed up in his 2000 um, gear. That he yeah, had I saw it, yeah. Badass, but, man. Yeah, it was nice. Everybody, I like everybody at that restaurant loves him. Mm-hmm. Like when he walks in, everybody's like, it's like the guy on Cheers back uh-huh. in the 80s. They would go, Norm. The same thing happens to this Norm mm-hmm. when he comes into the coffee company. <laughs> yeah, everybody he said he's been going for it. Yeah, he said he's been going since what, 2000? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he comes in and we sat down and it was brilliant because people got to come by and listen to some of his story that they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that by the time we got that out and pushed it out and pushed the clips out, a lot mm-hmm. of people have come out of the woodwork to go, whoa, who is yep. this guy, right? Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's Norm. He's the best. And so I got to sit with them, bring my computer because he's not, that's not his world. And, yeah. sit with them and show him some of it. And he actually looked at me and goes, man, I didn't know you knew what you were doing. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Norm, sorry. How do you give me a, you, can you give me a VHS copy of that? And I was like, well, not yeah. exactly how it works, but I'll, I'll hook up your son so yeah. he can show it to you. And, and that, that's the story of Norm Bass. So I, I periodically will call him because mm-hmm. now with the COVID um, pandemic, yeah, the RMCA has been taken out of a lot of the mm-hmm. seniors' lives, right? Yeah, like exactly. I, I'm, I'm so young enough, I can go and I'll swim in the ocean, but mm-hmm. they don't have anywhere to go, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I call to check in on him. He certainly misses his community and stuff, but but he's doing okay. So I'm glad you asked about it. I know I went on forever. but no, I was that was, that was that great. Guy. Yeah, I, I I wanted definitely want I made sure I put that question. I wanted to hear more about the story as well, um, from the little bit that I knew. But yeah, that's a a lot of things I guess you could take out of that and learn, especially me. Like you said, he's only one year older than me and was able and was taken out yeah. of both sports. Yeah, yeah, just kinda of everything took it away. And I can understand how that can make someone, you know, upset yeah. and a little bit bitter and um just feel like I guess they're a little lost. But the redemption and the perseverance to see and hear that he was able to continue on, find a new sport, you know, continue to have that competitive edge because as athletes, as an athlete, know, it just it never goes away. You never you never lose it, um, like at all. It, it's kind of funny because me and all the other coaches actually played like our seventeen and under last night, and it's like <laughs> yeah. you can just see it, see it through us. Like 
Yep. That competitive edge never goes away. Yep. Like we wanted to. We wanted I did the same thing. Pretty much. Yeah. So. I, I did it until until my my players got too close to me, and then I retired undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, we always like to like stop more at the top. Like, when we yeah. Know, like, okay. yeah. Like yeah. Like yeah. Like yeah. I proved yeah. myself. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that was a great a great story. And um, so luckily you were able to meet him. You know, he's kind of like in your same neighborhood and was able to get him on your podcast. And you know. Definitely, I'll probably be doing a little bit more research on him even more. But that was a wonderful story. You don't know. Appreciate you sharing it. And it's being a good person. I think it's so important, Jelani. You know, you're Mm -hmm. a good person. You meet people. And and then you learn a little bit about them. And you never know who you're going to meet. And some of them might not have had that kind of life. But it's still nice to have another friend. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you might meet somebody like Norm. And then you go, what the heck? And then you're inspired. You know, and and that's that's, that's, that's part of life. You got to make sure that you're open to. Exactly. I guess another interesting interview kind of checked out. Uh, you said it earlier, but uh, your cousin, yeah, yeah, your cousin uh, is a famous boxing ring announcer, okay. and um, I know you interviewed him as well. So, kind of, I want you to see if you could, you know, talk about that. Um, probably was a little bit well, obviously, you knew who he was, so a little bit yeah, easier, probably, easier to get. yeah, <laughs> a little bit easier one to get. Um, yeah. but I guess if you could talk about a little, about, a little bit about that interview and then, um, just kind of like maybe some nuggets that he may have uh, you know, told you or, or talked sure. to you about his uh, career, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know. It was his uncle that I was originally uh, inspired mm-hmm. by uh, mm-hmm. as a youngster because Jimmy Lennon mm-hmm. came. Okay, so my family came to Venice in 1915. Mm-hmm. And the reason they came there, my grandfather, who I never knew, he died when my dad was like 14 or 15 years mm-hmm. old. But my grandfather was a was a great writer and kind of like a little bit of a promoter mm-hmm. out of the Midwest. And and Thomas Ince, who worked directly for Louis B. Mayer of Metro Golden Mayer, MGM, mm-hmm. pulled him out of there to go promote these silent films out on the West Coast in this place called Hollywood. (laughs) And then we were gonna set them up in Venice where a lot of the Hollywood silent stars had their summer homes. Mm -hmm. And so that's why my family ended up in Venice. And so that was like 1915 or whatever. So my uncle Jim, he graduated from Venice High School roughly like 1930. He was like everybody else in the depression, scrapping to make a living. And one of the things he did was he was a butcher. And when he delivered, he would deliver the meats, but then he also, was good with his linguist. He was very good linguist. And so he had a good ear and he found a way, my uncle Jim, to start to host like a quinceanera or he would host a wedding or he would host, you know, a coming out party, whatever it might be. He would host him and he got better and better. One night, somebody didn't show up for the fights at the Ocean Park Arena. He filled in and he just did it in his own way. Mm -hmm. Instead of just gravelly going, this guy and this guy, he said, ladies and gentlemen, Now let me pretend, and he really, he brought that in. He wore a tuxedo because he was just coming from a wedding reception. Oh, wow. So he brought yeah. the tuxedo into the ring. He whooped the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, he's at the Olympic Auditorium uh, in downtown Los Angeles, and he becomes the longtime famous voice. But because he was Hollywood located, mm-hmm. he was picked up for all of television and film. He was in one of the Rocky movies. I got an action yeah. figure over there, right? So that said, his son came up. And I was about Jamie's age, which mm-hmm. I called Jamie, who's Jimmy Jr. Mm-hmm. But Jamie eventually learned what I knew about Jamie when I was growing up. He was he could play classical piano. And so I have some older cousins. They're called the Lennon sisters. You should know who they are. Your grandparents mm-hmm. might. They used to be on the Lawrence Welk show. They were, they were yeah. very famous for a while. But they would sing. My, co- my uncles would sing. My other mm-hmm. cousins could sing. Everybody could perform. He'd get Musical up background, and blow yeah. us all look right. Blow us out of the water with his that's how I knew him. But eventually he learned his father's trade mm-hmm. and his father brought him along just right. And so as, as his father, my uncle Jim moved out, 
Jimmy Jr. moved in mm-hmm. and he started and he has taken that game further than anything. Yep. He was there for the Buster Douglas fight mm-hmm. with Tyson. He yeah. was, he was there, you know, the night uh Tupac was was shot in oh, in Las wow. Vegas. He announced that fight of Tyson yeah. and was with the governor of Nevada in a restaurant right out off that street. Oh, I mean, wow. he's uh, he was there at Julio Cesar Chavez in Mexico City, 135,000 people mm-hmm. in in Estadia Azteca. I mean, mm-hmm. crazy. He's been at these cultural touch points of all of these these places, mm-hmm. these big fights. He was just at the Wilder um uh Deontay Wilder fight. So oh, wow, yeah. like, he does all of these these big fights, and he's there in that mm-hmm. moment, and and so it was so cool to be like, you know, he's my cousin. Cousin, yep. <laughs> and then we're talking about all of these, you know, these these massive moments mm-hmm. that we all can kind of go, wow, yeah, I know where Important. I went. Yeah, that's incredible. I'd say yeah. he's been so, pretty much everywhere. He's announced some of the biggest fights ever. Yep. Um, so I know, like, that's pretty cool. Like you say, yeah, that's my cousin. Like, kind of know, know him yeah. more personally than, of course, more, most people know. He'll, he'll um, text with us on, like, a text chain, like, right yeah. up into, you know, after the weigh-in and through. Mm-hmm. And then and then we'll all gather and watch the fight somewhere. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Is he, um, I guess, ever talking about, I don't even know if it's a question that you might have asked. Like, does he have to, does he, like, practice like that, like, you know, that intro, that, like, that? But like, does he have to do voice exercises, kind of like maybe, like, singers or artists may do, like, What's what what's that like? If you know, yeah, that's, that's a good. I mean, that's the question I asked too. Yeah, is um, and he was like, I just kind of take care of it. Mm. That, that was his answer. He's like, sure, sometimes lemon tea. Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> he, goes, he goes for the most part. I just I just kind of take care of myself yeah. and, and and try to be prepared. So there was nothing because I have my other cousins that are singers and stuff. They mm. have their own regiments. Yep. Him him not as much, um, but he does um, put a lot of pressure on himself to be correct. Mm. Always right. His yeah. uncle, I mean, my uncle, his father taught me. Um, there's the three C's of of, of PA announcing, right? Mm-hmm. A public address announcing, concise, clear, and correct. correct. Always those three things, right? Keep it short, be clear, be right. Like don't you know? None of you can't make that mistake. Yep. Nobody can go back on TV. Yeah. I mean, people go back on TV and do things they can't do it when you're live. And live, so yep. he puts a lot of pressure on himself to make sure he's got everybody's names announced right he's gonna he's gonna identify all the sponsors all the everybody else like he's big on that so i know that part of it and then you know he's always impeccably dressed mm-hmm. and um and when michael buffer came across that let's get ready to rumble stuff mm-hmm. he, he was he slowly worked into the it's showtime, it's showtime and all yeah. the lights go off and they come back mm-hmm. up and so that's it that's his shtick so he knows yeah. he's got it's showtime and it fire he said it fires me up but i stay on point i make sure i get everything right mm-hmm. you know Yep, it's showtime. It's like everybody knows the like everybody knows that. rumble, but yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah that's yep. really really cool. Yeah, um, I know. I also wanted to touch on um, the passing too of uh, Gale, Gale Sear. Sorry about that. Um, oh, Gale Sear. Yeah, Gale Sear. Uh, I don't. Did you get? You've had a chance to interview him before? No, I haven't. Um, but I will be interviewing um, uh, Jeff Perlman. Who, okay. had, who who did a who was a senior writer for Sports Illustrated? Mm-hmm, yeah. In addition to just doing this book, yeah, called, you just had uh, a book, yeah. The Three Ring Circus, right? Yep. So um, Perlman's going to come on the show next Friday. It's going to be great to talk because I have some good uh, insights about Kobe, Jerry mm-hmm. West, you know, and that kind of stuff. But um, going back to Gail Sayre, so he's this great running back mm-hmm. uh, in in the uh, early seventies for the Chicago Bears, right? He, mm-hmm. He's from Kansas. Uh, he was known as a Kansas Comet. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he came out, he was rookie of the year. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great 100 players named. 
exactly. the whole thing. He had this, but he also had this really cool relationship with a guy on the team named Brian Piccolo. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Piccolo was also a pretty good running back out of Wake Forest, yeah. and they struck up a friendship. But George Hallis, the coach of the Bears at that time, wanted to change how they did rooming. They used to segregate rooming on a lot of the NFL teams, but they wanted to keep put position guys in the same rooms. And so they were the, one of the first ones that was Piccolo and Gail Sayers. And they were, they were, they were put into the same uh, room or whatever. And so that made some news, but the fact of the matter was they were buddies. Like yeah. they, they, they had a good time. And, and eventually this movie was made about them called Brian song. And now mm -hmm. Brian song, those of us of my age, certainly remember it and it kind of lives on a little bit here and there but it had some you know some famous people in it but like billy d williams like very cool dude if you look up billy d billy d williams he he was the man he was very cool he played gail sayers and james khan who was sonny in the godfather he oh, played yeah. he's an elf too he's yeah. anyway uh he played uh james he, he played um brian piccolo yeah this great relationship now gail sayers tears up his leg piccolo helps him rehab it but mm -hmm. piccolo gets I, I forget the disease he had might have just been cancer I, I'm, I'm sorry i don't remember but and he dies and it's really sad mm -hmm. how he died it, you know it, it struck it struck down in his prime that said i'm seven year old watching this abc movie of the week and i'm mm -hmm. crying like yeah. and i didn't think it was okay to cry at a movie Oops. like no i'm seven years old yeah. but it's a sports movie which yeah. got my attention it's this and i was like what and i just like it so it had such a profound impact on me so today most of the day i'm sending out clips on my social mm -hmm. media of that movie, but also yeah. trying to do what I do, Jelani, which is put historical and social so, context around important sports stories that should mm -hmm. lift us all up. Because Gail Sayers was a good man. Mm -hmm. He spent a lot of his time for for uh, for civil rights and human rights projects. Mm -hmm. He always gave of himself as a, as a post NFL athlete. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to celebrate him, you know, as much as I can. And so I'm glad you asked me about him. Exactly. Yeah. And it's been unfortunate. We lost a lot of, uh, you know, sports figures this year. Yeah. Um, that have meant a lot to not only the sports, but um, different the different communities that they're in as well. Um, yeah. Of course, you being in you being in Los Angeles, Kobe Bryant for that one. Helps. Um, Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like um, I didn't actually have this written down, kind of just off the fly, but kind of like your thoughts um, on like kind of like what it had or when you found out it happened, like maybe yeah. kind of like what you were doing, and just like guess your feelings today about it, because you know it's kind of. Always been, it's always like being out there, all of us on, always on our minds. Of course. Um, especially you being in Los Angeles, though, I know it's probably like definitely surrounded by it a lot. Yeah, no, I never, you know, I've, I've met uh, my share of people. I never had an opportunity to meet Kobe in person. I've been in the mm -hmm. same kind of area as him, never got to meet him in person, but he certainly had an impact on my life. Yeah. Okay. He was my son's favorite, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's, it's interesting to dive into Kobe's life and where I was, you know, it, what, what's really interesting is. One of the interesting that's personal to me is, okay, my, my boy growing up, Kobe was his guy. My boy was born in in, um, in 92. Mm -hmm. So by the time he's like eight years old, Kobe wins his first championship, right? Yeah. But, but we actually, my son went to the forum before they moved to the Staples Center with me to see Shaq and Kobe play because I knew yeah. he was on the come. And I remember he, he was on my shoulders oh, and wow. Shaq came by and was bigger than both of us. <laughs> and he was like, dad, is he human? Like, what the heck? <laughs> Loved him some Kobe. And so we're at the Staples Center and he said, he's my son's only eight or nine years old. He's mm -hmm. got his Kobe jersey on. We're up at the top. Staples Center, we're there. He's like, Daddy's gonna do a 360. I go, Vaughn, NBA players just don't break out 360. But he can do it. I know he can. He's not gonna. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then the drapes drop and they do the introductions mm -hmm. and they show Kobe do a 360. He goes, 
I told you he could do it. I said, I know he can do it. He's not going to get it. Jelani, he picked <laughs> and did a three six. Now, can you imagine what kind of fan my son is? Yeah, I'm now only a like, man. Yep. What did I say? Yeah. So, so he is huge, Kobe. My wife and I would sit in that, I'd sit at, you know, not far from where I am and scream at the television when the Lakers were losing. Save us, Kobe. Save <laughs> us. He would, man. He would always come through for us, right? Yeah. So the day he died was my son's birthday. I was getting wow. ready to call my son on his. I think would have been his 27th birthday yeah. and um, or 28th birthday. And I was looking at my phone and there it comes through. Yeah. And I was like, wow. You know, so so obviously that was a thing. And then I had just about a week before interviewed Chris McGee, who is the Lakers studio host. And he's yeah. pretty close to Kobe. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm looking on television and there's a guy I just sat down with. That's a longtime friend of mine anchoring mm-hmm. our city's morning of Kobe. So we are fortunate that we then got a chance to go to um, LA Live and mm-hmm. be part of that whole scene that evolved there as a tribute. And yes. then I had, uh, I got fortunate enough to go to the uh, memorial, sat right there, front and center. Yeah. I mean, there's Beyonce and Alicia Keys. Yeah, everyone. Marina Inescu was so powerful. And then that night she goes and sets the so, um, you know all-time record uh, mm-hmm. for triple doubles and, exactly. and, and clinches a Pac-12. I mean, there was so much that went into that day. Mm-hmm. Shaq, Jordan. Everybody that was there, it was it was really an unbelievable moment from L.A. There's a guy out here. His name's Walter Thompson Hernandez. He went to Venice High School, played a little um, pro ball overseas, but he's been writing for the New York Times for a long time. Recently listened to his podcast. He says, L.A. does two things really well. Uh, we mourn together and we and we and, and we celebrate we celebrate our championships and our mornings really well. Yep. He goes, look at like the 92 riots. Look at, you know, the most recent civil unrest. Like LA can, can do that mm-hmm. like anybody. Yeah. But we also celebrate our championships together and we celebrated Kobe together. And yeah. so it was a time of mourning his death, but also of celebrating what unites us in the city. Exactly. And, and so that's why Kobe, you know, always means something to the city, even though, you know, Jelani's got a really interesting situation because mm-hmm. he came from a prep school in Philadelphia yeah. and, and the best ball was played in the public schools in Philly, mm-hmm. right? But but his dad had played pro ball, Jelly Bean. Yeah. So so Jelly Bean knew Sonny Vaccaro, and Sonny Vaccaro, who was running the whole game of the emerging game of of you know whether it was Nike, mm-hmm. Adidas, whatever it was, mm-hmm. ran that ABCD camp, yep. and and so that only identified like the top 120 players or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Kobe really wasn't that highly regarded because he played in the prep league in Philly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Jelly Bean got him in with Sonny. And he got him to that legendary ABCD camp, and Kobe mm-hmm. dominated, dominated which allowed yep. Kobe to make the leap to be a professional. Exactly, and right. that's right. like that's and that's Jeff uh, Perlman tells that in this book. He tells that story, and he also talks about how Dell Harris, before Phil was the coach, and how he was a good coach for Kobe when he first got here mm-hmm. because he was chill. He was like he'd yep. study um, to be like uh, he might even been in the seminary, but he was like kind of like a religious kind of guy mm-hmm. that was real chill, and he allowed Kobe to be himself. He mm-hmm. wasn't Dell Harris wasn't a great coach for Shaq, but he yeah. was a good coach for an emerging coach. Kobe, yeah. Right. And so, anyways, all of that story is unbelievable. And then Jerry West identifying from mm-hmm. two miles from where I'm sitting right now is the Inglewood YMCA. Yeah. And that's where <laughs> that's where Jerry West watched him. Exactly. And 30 minutes in was like, I'm out. Out, yeah. Got on the phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, man. And then Jeff, and, and I'll just tell you the power, and I gotta show this again because mm-hmm. it's of course I show you the power of what, what you're doing, Jelani, is if I made this, if I direct messaged Jeff Perlman seven months ago, he might have just ignored it. Mm-hmm. But he looked at our content yeah. and he looked at things like like you've already asked me about and he liked what he saw. 
And within 15 minutes, he says, sure, I'll come on your show. He's going on Colin Cowherd. He's yeah. going on ESPN. He's going to get up, Everywhere. all of that. He's yeah. going to come on my show. But he, I think he looked and he realized like, all right, dude, you're doing the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. And so we're, we're stoked, man. This guy, 10 times New York Times bestselling author, and he's putting out about my, you know, my Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Like I'm fired up. I can't wait to talk to this guy about all that. Yeah, and I'll definitely be tuned in when you, you know, when you have him on or whenever you guys post up the episode live, as well. Live a week from tomorrow. Oh, okay, live cool. Tomorrow. Live a week from tomorrow. Okay, yeah. live. Everybody hears it now. Live from next Friday. Yep, it's uh, YouTube.com and then it's uh, SSDL, mm-hmm. right? YouTube.com SSDL. We always go live at five on Wednesdays and live at five on Fridays. That's Pacific time. And so Wednesdays is like our preps to Olympians show. We put the okay. folks in high school all the way to Olympic athletes. Mm-hmm. And then Friday is kind of like a tonight show. It could be okay. you know, just like on a heavy hitter or mm-hmm. even like somebody tomorrow night, um, I'm having on the muralist from Los Angeles. Called, his name is Jonas Never, and he's done all the sports murals throughout our oh, city. Yeah, well, yeah. A great one to Kobe that they showed yeah. when Kobe died, right? And and he just did a recent one of Joe Kelly uh, oh, making wow. a happy face at the Houston Astros. <laughs> he just did that one. So he, he's a friend That's of cool. us. Of, of our show and mm-hmm. uh so we're going to celebrate his work tomorrow night on our show and that should be that should be a good one so yeah hopefully, hopefully people want to jump on yeah, uh definitely. yeah definitely i think i will be one because that's another thing too you guys do there's a lot of artists you know people go there of course you know f- fulfill their dreams and there's a lot of great murals out there as well so i definitely be tuned in and want to see that one i haven't seen the uh the Joe Kelly one yet, but that's yes, uh, definitely going to be a, a cement, uh spot in, I guess, sports history because, you know, I, I hate the Astros. I'm sure you probably feel the same oh, way. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, I'll never, they're, they're, they're not going to leave. You know, yeah. and what's, what's crazy is the Dodgers got that pulled on them mm-hmm. back in, in, in 51 when Bobby Thompson hit that famous home run when the yep, Dodgers yep. were in Brooklyn, right? Yep. But it was a similar thing. They were out in the polo grounds mm-hmm. where the big scoreboard was or whatever back in the day, and they were in the the manager's office mm-hmm. opening and closing a window, window. for mm-hmm. fastball or off speed. Yep. So the exactly. Dodgers got cheated out of that pennant, and they get cheated out of the World this Series. Come on, man. Yeah, it's like it's been a few that you guys should have that you guys should have had that you've been cheated out of. And it's unfortunate, yeah. but you know, this year might be the year, you know. Should be with, yeah. I'm worried about that two out of three series because yeah, two exactly. can bump you out, but yeah, it, it, we've clearly proved ourselves to be, I think, the best team in baseball. Yeah. I guess going off that too, I wanted to get into, you know, the you know, sports world nowadays. You go with LA, you guys got a lot of, you know, great teams that's up and coming. One, of course, the Lakers right now, they're two games away from the NBA Finals. Um, yep. Like you just said, I think the Dodgers are still first place and looking for that oh, championship yeah. that got stolen from them. Yeah. Um, and even, was it the Kings? I don't know if you follow hockey. I really follow, but I think the Kings won what? They won uh, yeah, it was a while two, ago. Yeah, about two, three years ago. Something yeah, like it was that. Ago. Yeah, uh, but it's like. But, um, yeah, they, they, they had theirs. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the Kings have a great history here. Mm-hmm. It's But the joke here is that, that you know the forum where they played mm-hmm. used to hold seventeen thousand five hundred and five people, and the joke was there's seventeen thousand five hundred and five hockey fans in L.A. Like <laughs> they, they could never get TV ratings, right? Yep. Yeah, it was hard for an, for for Southern California mm-hmm. to like all of us to get our mind around a, a sport on ice. Yeah. It took it took the Wayne Gretzky that, trade, yep. and that revolutionized everything. Everything. Right? Yep. That that changed everything, and yeah. so once that happened, then you you got a wider base. And, mm-hmm. and and yeah, they definitely have brought home uh, the Stanley Cup uh, yeah. a couple of times, and and they celebrate with it. 
at all the bars not far from here in the South mm -hmm. Bay. They go all the way through there, like a Manhattan Beach and Hermosa Beach. Yep. They take up with them. So it's pretty cool. It's like, you know, this area, it, they embrace them a lot. But yeah, you know, I was at um, the uh, Lakers when they won a, a, in 1983. Mm -hmm. um, 80, no, the 85 team. Uh, mm -hmm. When they won, uh, I was there in the 83 team, 85 team. I went to one of the games. So mm -hmm. I was there, I was there uh, for a Dodgers World Series game. Was, you know, so I've been in those venues at that time. Mm -hmm. And it's all we do. We do celebrate our champions well out exactly. here. Um, and so, yeah, come on, LeBron, let's do this. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm sure you're an L.A. fan. There's a, uh, I, I didn't put it. That was in the background picture. There was one. I think it was the the profile picture before they started, but you had right. the Lakers Lakers uh, shirt oh. on. So, um, oh, of course, like I guess, how do you, what do you? I guess, what are your predictions? Do you see them? You know, obviously, I see them as well pulling out this series. But what uh, I guess the the amount of games do you think it would take for this? And if they go on to a championship, how many uh, games do you think you'll seal it in? You know, series are interesting. You know, the, the series can be really interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact is, you know, AD hits that shot to win game two. Yeah. Now, if he doesn't hit that shot, it's 1-1. Yep. And that very well could have happened. And then this, we could be looking at 2-1 since two Denver one. came back strong. And now yeah. the narrative is entirely different than mm -hmm. us being up 2-1. So some, some of the things about Lakers were exposed. And that was too many turnovers sometimes, a little bit careless with the ball. And also, you know, Jokic – he just he presents a problem. Mm -hmm. You have to deal with that problem. He, he he can play. There's no doubt about it. But that kind of size and the way he leans on you and the, mm -hmm. the way he gets his shots is really interesting. So tonight, obviously, it's going to be huge. But if LeBron comes out a little pissed off that he didn't get enough MVP votes, uh, that'll yeah. be a good start. And then AD will finish him. So that'll make it 3-1. Mm -hmm. I think Denver will then have to just kind of roll over, and we'll get in there in five. Now, exactly. that said, um, the Heat look really good. Yeah. Both of us would prefer to put a beat down on the Celtics in the finals because mm -hmm. we owe them a lot. Yeah. Like we beat them once in the finals and they got on us too many times, right? Yeah. They tortured my boy Jerry West for years. That Torture, wasn't right. yeah. That wasn't right. And <laughs> we needed more payback on them. Now that said, the Miami Heat also present an interesting narrative in that you got Pat Riley, the mm -hmm. team president, that made his name with the Lakers, right? Yep. He was a Lakers sub. Then he was, um, a, uh, then he was, um, assistant coach yep. with Jerry West before he was, um, Chick Hearn's sidekick, our mm -hmm. legendary announcer. And he went from the booth to court. Yeah. And then, he, then, then, the, then the Showtime Lakers. So Pat Riley's got an interesting history there. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, that's a thing. And then Butler, he's yeah. a baller. Baller, yeah. And he looked, and, and he looks an awful lot. Uh, like Jamie Fox, who yeah. is a Hollywood, <laughs> who is a Hollywood guy. Yeah. So I mean, there's that. You know, so who would you uh, Hollywood to take us down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who would you uh, rather face? I guess because what the narrative I've talked with a few other guys, um, just you know, basketball talk in general, and the one thing they were saying was like, no matter which two they face, like those, these two teams, like they play tough and they play hard at they all do. times, like for, for the full 48 minutes. But there's sometimes with the Lakers. They get a little lax. Like they have great runs where they're running, they're running. But there's times where they kind of get down themselves. If someone doesn't rotate on defense, they're kind of looking at each other. And, yeah. you know, just not that same momentum, that same tempo. They don't play as hard the whole 48 minutes. So out of the two teams um, that's coming out of the East, which ones would you rather they face? And what do you think they would need to do in order to, you know, make it a quick and easy series to wrap up hmm. another championship for LA? 
I'm not sure if it's going to be quick and easy because both teams <laughs> are, are really strong and both teams commit on defense. Yeah, that's always going to extend the series. But I, so I, I, I kind of it's a toss up. Here's what I'd say: I, I'd rather face Boston because I think Boston's down three one now, right? Yep, down three one. They lost last yeah. night. Yeah, they lost last night. So they're down three one, which would mean they'd have to win three to go seven to be more exhausted to get there. Yep. So that would be my preference at this point. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. uh, yeah. with the Heat, I think. I don't regardless, I think LA's coming out with a championship. I think you guys just like they just they just had that chip on their shoulder. They have that edge and you know, they got you know Kobe Bryant rest in peace, you know, on their side. That's right. Like it's just yeah, a lot of things that we're just seeing, even with the eighty shot the other day, it's just like that's like a Kobe type moment. I thought so so too. The Kobe moment. And it would be number seventeen for the franchise, which would tie Mm -hmm. Boston Celtics for the Boston Celtics, yep. Which which would be a tribute, in it, uh, of course, to Kobe as well, who also beat them in 2010 uh, yep. in the Ron Artest game. Um, exactly. And so that, be, that'll, I'd like that. I'd like that. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah it's it just kind of all lined up for them. But there, if there is one thing that is scary, like I said, this, that Miami Heat shooting. Um, yeah. They're hot. They're hot. And, they're- like, with the – the Lakers is just like I said before. It's like kind of like up and down when they're shooting and making shots and playing on one accord. They're great. Like no one's gonna stop them. And but they remind that Miami me, Heat shooting is. It is, but they also, you know, the Lakers this year. And I'd like, besides being a Laker fan and want to see them win a championship, it also hopefully will remind people that it it doesn't have to be a Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. hit all the threes to get a championship these days. Yep. The three is certainly taking on a much bigger role in the game. So whether you have stretch centers, mm-hmm. used to be a call to center, right? But those stretch fives, stretch fours, yep. fine. That's okay. The game evolves. However, let's not ignore the fact that when AD is scoring close to the hoop, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, Dwight's getting those lobs and LeBron cannot be stopped, stopped when he wants to go to the basket. Exactly. The, the two-point field goal still has its place yep, with a percentage, so. and it shouldn't be overlooked at the expense of, evolving with the three and so that said I, I think the lakers could send that message to the league like hey you know big guys still mean something here yep. and you know being strong and finishing at the basket means something yeah because they are the biggest team of course still in it um yep. it's a nuggets just have nicola i like the way McGee and, and yeah and white and and ad yeah i like the way they were that together. deepest of presence that all like all seven footers and like it's just hard it to compete with yep so it's long yeah yeah um so yeah like i said uh, hopefully, I'm gonna say I'm a LeBron guy. I was a, also a Kobe guy, but I'm a real big on LeBron. So I'm hoping they're able to pull it out. And, you know, bring you guys another championship. It just seems like it's all lined up for that to happen. We um, covered um, we covered where his son goes to school, Sierra Canyon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Canada, yeah, right. right. And so we did a we did a story with their athletic director and covered some of their sports, not just basketball, but um, girls soccer, some other ones. We we got all that bureau, but when we went to go do the um, their game they can't even play their game on campus they have to move it to the college because oh, really? they get so many people for their boys basketball games because there's so many <laughs> you know heavy yep. hitting you know yeah, uh, they had everybody there yeah they everybody had, uh, goes and then everybody's just looking at the door wondering if lebron's gonna roll in exactly it's really, yeah. it's really an interesting dynamic yeah yeah and Dwayne, i guess at a point too because you know zaire way played with them yeah uh kid that played not too far from where i live right now brandon boston i know he transferred over oh, there boston, he's, he's everybody exactly. was there to watch it yeah, yeah very good um it was the, zaire williams as well zaire. you guys just had a bunch of talent and they, did, it. they won the champ or won the state championship too right yeah they've won they've won several <laughs> and yeah, not I, only yeah. and not only in um basketball in basketball 
But girls basketball, they're a power. Mm-hmm. Boys football, they're going to be an open division uh, competitor this year. They won D1 last year. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you, you go up and down their sports line. And that's why, you know, I went with my boy. He's a friend of mine, Rock Pillsbury. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the athletic director there. And that, to me, was the interesting part of the story mm-hmm. was, like, you know, how do you build this overall program? Out there in Chatsworth, like, man, when I grew up, I, what I knew about Chatsworth is that's where the Manson family was housed up before they started oh, killing people. Yep. <laughs> like that's where the, like that's what I knew yes. about Chatsworth. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is it's 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 in a position now where the 101 freeway comes through and it connects to the entertainment industry mm-hmm. and it's a good place to live because there's a somewhat affordable property out that way. And so it was a really interesting to hear how he made his journey originally starting in Texas mm-hmm. and then out here and now he's that I argue that's the strongest high school program in the nation. Yeah. I don't think anybody else can step to them, boys and girls sports all combined. Like yeah. they, they've won several state and then section titles. Our section out here, CIF Southern section, mm-hmm. 600 schools. That's 600 wow. schools in just a section. And there's 10 sections in the mm-hmm. state. That's right? crazy. So, yeah. so that said, they've won several state titles. Mm-hmm. I think I think it might even be up to double digits within the last. Yeah, I would, I would not doubt it. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's spread out across different sports. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's an unbelievable story that's that that school out there. Yeah, that's, that's un, I definitely wouldn't doubt it. Like I said, you guys definitely always have a lot of good athletes coming uh, in and out of that place for sure. No so, doubt. Yeah, we do. Um, there's a right before I guess we head off. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed our conversation today. I always love to play a game with my guests before we hop off. And the one that I typically play a lot is called Top Three. You know, I just ask a question, and then, of course, you just name your top three, whether you want to do it in order or not, of, you know, whatever that top three may be. So, um, my first one is uh, top three, just top three favorite uh, professional sports teams, your professional sports team. Going to have to go Lakers, Mm -hmm. Dodgers, Rams. Is it in order, that one, two, three, or a three, two, one? I think I think that would be. I mean, I, I love me some football playing. That's probably my favorite sport I ever coached. Mm-hmm. And playing football was probably the most fun I had in a game. But yep. if you ask me what's really in my blood the most, I would I would have to say um, I would have to say basketball, which mm-hmm. which which puts my Lakers number one. And I coach high school baseball, and I love the sport of baseball mm-hmm. uh, and enjoy it. But I think the LA Dodgers means so much to our community. You know, close to four million fans a year visit mm-hmm. Dodger Stadium. And we have Vince Scully that just retired. And there's so, and then the, the whole story of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier back there. Mm-hmm. But then they come out west and, and they, they, they're the first out in the west. I think it's, it's such a great story, mm-hmm. right? Well, um, you know, and I love, love the Rams too. And, and we'll be back this year. We'll be back in the Super Bowl. I was just about to ask a Rams prediction real quick before the next one. I was going to ask a Rams prediction. What, uh, think you're going to win the, uh, the division? Uh, I do think we'll win the division. And it's not an easy division, man. At all. So San Francisco, Wilson is, okay, look at Arizona. Right now, like, yeah, they're playing really good. Oh, so I forgot about them. Yeah, yeah, really good. And Arizona looks good. So it's not an easy division, but I do think we'll win the division. I do yeah. think uh, they look like they got an like what they were missing last year was offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they had both to retirement, to trade, and to defection or whatever. Yeah. They lost some key offensive linemen, and that's why we looked okay yeah. last. We yeah. look a lot better this year because the line has been uh, reestablished, yeah, and, and so that's what that's where McVay's offense can operate. Got a good combo at running back. I think yeah. we're good. I think we're good. I think we're back yeah. to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, definitely have surprised me these uh, first two games coming out. I was, um, well, I think I would be Washington last week, so I was expecting that to be a win. But that, y'all did look really, really good against the Cowboys uh, Sunday night. Yeah, uh, that first game. So, like you said, pretty much. I, 
if if not winning the division, y'all probably I definitely got, a, I think, a playoff spot in, so. in, in the yep. future because uh, even though the NFC is pretty stout, I, y'all been looking really, really good. As long as everyone's able to stay healthy, I think y'all got, you guys should be fine. Jared well, Goff looks a lot right. better from last year. <laughs> we need another super. Um, we need another shot at that Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you and my team, but my team is probably not going to get there anytime soon, especially after you, what we just did this past Sunday. I'm a Falcons yeah, fan. Um, so. I know that, that that hurt with the with Dallas coming back on you like that. That's, yeah, that's no, it was that's it was fun. definitely a tough pill to swallow uh, throughout. Yeah, the you just fall on the ball, man. Uh, that you fall on that <laughs> when you're in kickoff return, you mm-hmm. do not have to wait for it to go ten yards. Exactly. You could, yeah. it could, there it is. Take it. Yeah. Follow yeah. that and game. I actually Instead, talked about it. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I, go 10. I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I don't know. They called a timeout before, you know, the kickoff. And I was just like, I knew something was going to happen. Like something dumb was going to happen. Balls wasn't going to bounce the right way. They was like, you're calling a timeout before a kickoff uh, or yeah. an onside kickoff. Like somebody doesn't know before. something. Yeah, something's going to go wrong. So I was like, yeah, we probably lost the game. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, let me, my fault. Let me get back on track with the top three. Um, next it. top three, um, I'm going to ask top three. <clears throat> I guess top three favorite guests so far on your uh, podcast. It's mm-hmm. a good question. Well, Norm Bass oh, is probably going to take that number one slot. Mm-hmm. Love you some Norm Bass. Um, because I'm a uh, you know grew up in volleyball, and because women's volleyball really had the nation's attention. Mm-hmm. But Karch Karai, who is like the Michael Jordan of volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, would probably be my second favorite. He, he's he's really got a fascinating story. It's a five-parter we put out. But mm-hmm. he was the greatest player. He's the only player ever to win two gold medals, Olympic gold medals, indoor, mm-hmm. and then another one on the beach. Oh, he's wow. got the all-time amount of beach tournament wins. And he was such an unbelievable great player, but he was a great athlete. You see, he was on superstars. And that pitted, like, top athletes from everything. And mm-hmm. on superstars, he should have won first place if Gasano wasn't on steroids running him down <laughs> 100 meters yeah. and he called him out on that but he should have won that he took a solid second and it showed that there's great athletes in volley so he took that and now he took that and and plus you know i got unfortunately i got to travel with him a little bit promoting mm-hmm. the sport of beach volleyball right but then he's now our women's olympic team coach okay. and he's taken them to further uh than any other coach so his stamp on the sport of volleyball has been it's just incredible and it's mm-hmm. life story his father took up arms in the hungarian revolution against mm-hmm. the Russians. And that's how he left that country to start mm-hmm. a new life. From He left Hungary to come out here. Wow. And they eventually settled in Santa Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and that's where Karch grew up. And so that backstory combined with what Karch has achieved to the point where yeah. finally Karch, 92, because 84, mm-hmm. they won the gold, men's, men's volleyball, but mm-hmm. the Russians didn't come. 88, everybody shows up. Yeah. Right? Yeah, everybody shows up in '88, and Karch wins that gold against yeah. the Russians. And guess who's the loudest guy cheering? Laszlo, <laughs> yep. who took up arms against them in the Hungarian <laughs> Revolution. That whole just that's the backstory. Yeah, the rest of it. That's why he's probably number two. Okay. And then, um, man, number three is, is not an easy answer. <laughs> um, there's actually, you know, because I do both sit down video podcasts mm-hmm. where we sit down and then post produce, and we do live ones. So I yeah. feel like I pick one from the live. Yeah. And and the one I'm going to pick, I think is really interesting is because of its interest level. It's Gary Gilliam. Now Gary okay. Gilliam played for Seattle Seahawks mm-hmm. and he caught that big that, that big uh catch it's a, when the Seahawks got to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Remember the year when Pete Carroll threw the ball against the yeah, Patriots? Patriots yeah, that, one, yep. that year, right? <laughs> yeah. But I love it. Gary Gilliam scored 
because they were playing the Packers. Yeah. And he did a double click discount. Back, yep. <laughs> right. And so he, he 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 threw that one out. But what he has done is he he came up in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. in Milton Hershey of like Hershey's chocolate mm-hmm. had set up this uh, private school with an awful lot of money. They endowed them for centuries to come. Hundred acres, beautiful. It's called, it's called, I think, the Milton Hershey School. Mm-hmm. Gary Gilliam, and it reaches out to kids who need a chance. Families apply, mm-hmm. and they get in. And they, they they coach them up, man. They coach them up, and they teach them up. And Gilliam came out of there, went to Penn State, and, and he went to Penn State mm-hmm. right on the backside of the Joe Paterno scandal where Joe Paterno oh, had yeah. to down yeah. to right? So, but he was one of the guys who stayed with Bill O'Brien, and he, and he kept them afloat and turned them back, right? And then from there, he goes off to his professional career, and he's used everything that's been given to him and everything he has worked for. Mm-hmm. So he is now going – he's starting in Hershey um, – or no, in another city in Pennsylvania, and he's mm-hmm. going to go city to city to redistribute wealth by way of taking old areas of cities and flipping them mm-hmm. okay. so that they'll become sustainable yeah. environments that allow under underserved populations to achieve. Oh, like, that's great. That's a goal, Good, dude. Yeah. I mean, me and you got a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> change the structure yeah, of our That's amazing. Experience. Yeah. So that, that I put that guy in number three. Three. Yeah. yeah. That's, an, that's, that's an amazing. Great work. I would yeah. hopefully one day maybe aspire to be able to do something like that as well somewhere here. Right. He is. He's a very inspirational guy. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, top three. Um, top three favorite sports moments. Like your favorite sports moments. Mm-hmm. Like I get your playing time. All right, so hard to pass up on the Kirk Gibson home run, 1988 Game 1 World Series. Mm-hmm. I was a high school football coach. I'm coaching this game out in Burbank, not far from Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. It's halftime, and in 88, it was pretty cool if you had a portable television. So I'm the JV coach, but for the varsity games, i got to be up in the tower mm-hmm. and call with the OC. And the OC has got – and I look out into the stands, and out in the stands, somebody else is also – got a television and i look out into the parking lot from my vantage point where i'm up high mm-hmm. and out of the parking lot people are gathered around a car also watching so okay. there's these yeah. three groups my varsity football coach rattles our cage to mm-hmm. go hey pay attention to the game <laughs> like okay but earlier in the game conseco had hit that grand slam mm-hmm. and now the dodgers have clawed their way back and even vin scully said it doesn't look like kirk mm-hmm. gibson's gonna make it tonight yeah. and here comes kirk out and we're watching on this tv and Dodger Stadium is going absolutely crazy. Crazy. And you can hear the murmur in different areas of this high school football game. Oh, wow. You can just see people kind of like gathering around the televisions. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's a deep drive into right. <laughs> she is gone. Oh, the, we we almost fell off of our <laughs> the tower. Tower. Those stands went crazy and the parking lot went crazy. crazy. Yeah. Right? And everybody in the – all the high school football players are looking around like, what happened? Yeah. There wasn't any day of social media or anything like that. Yeah. So that L.A. moment was really cool, and it still stands as, like, the number one moment ever. Are. So it's hard to, like, bypass that one. I'd yeah. say uh, number two would probably be, um, I guess that would be 1985, uh, Magic Johnson, Junior Skyhook in the yeah. Boston Garden. Yeah. Right? When he, when he busts out. Kareem yeah. Skyhook. I mean, yeah. I, I can show you a picture that we use as one of my logos of me as an eight-year-old. And I'm supposed to go to my first Holy Communion, Jelani. Mm-hmm. But I got my pajamas on in my backyard with <laughs> my pants, right? 
Yeah. And because and I got to make 10 straight sky hooks before yeah. I'll allow myself to go receive a sacrament from the Holy Church. Oh, now, wow. that said, my mom goes, I can't convince this boy. So she takes the picture. That's my <laughs> love, right? Because that's how much I love sports. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so the junior sky hook was magic, busting mm -hmm. that off to, to exercise the curse of the Celtics. Mm -hmm. Love that moment. Number three. Hmm. I don't know. It's not easy, <laughs> but I must say the fact that my Rams left me mm -hmm. and then came back. Yep. And then Zerline kicked like a 60 yarder yep. to send the Rams after, remember, that pass interference. That yeah. Whatever. No, Pat, yeah, not pass interference at all. Yeah. Hey, the Astros banged on the trash cans. Things yep. happen. <laughs> so he kicked like a 60 yarder. And I just was watching that ball with my wife. And I was like, it's gonna go, it's gonna, it's gonna, and it went through. And I was like, shit, we're going back to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so that that stands out in my mind right now. Now, obviously, bypassing a lot of other moments, but mm -hmm. so this, and this time I go Dodger, Laker, Ram. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, uh, it's kind of thing. I forgot Zerline wasn't kicking for you guys anymore. And when he came out for the Cowboys Sunday, I was like, yeah, game's over mm -hmm. for sure. It don't even matter where they got in that. They got in like one ten yard play. I was he like, yeah, got a gonna, leg, man, that guy. Leg. I can send it. Yeah, he can. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he does. So those oh, are probably man. those are probably my three. I had to throw. I had to get one that wasn't in the 1980s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, the the last one I would say, uh, I guess top your top your top three. I guess like personal moments of you um, playing sports, like ones that you may remember. Your top three moments, like you know, winning MVP or you know, winning certain type of championship, any of that. Well. A number one always will be. I uh, got it. Got my nineteen eighty six Venice Backyard Championship, yeah. first place trophy, the greatest team ever. Shout out to my cousin Tony Lennon, who was on my <laughs> team with me. Now, the reason I say that is because I've also showed that award to mm -hmm. um, World Series uh, winner Tim Leary, mm. uh, uh, World Heavyweight. I mean, World. Uh, Middleweight champion, boom, boom, Mancini. He showed me his belt. I showed my trophy. Trophy. <laughs> Showing off his ring. I showed yep. that. Trophy. <laughs> uh, so that's got to be my, my top one. Um, yeah, I would say, um, all right, I set a record that will probably never be broken. At high school, I played, um, oh, wow, I played football, basketball, and volleyball. And the reason this one won't be broken is because in volleyball, back in that time, mm -hmm. you only played to 15, and it was called side-out scoring. It wasn't like yeah. point replay, right? And I served all 15 of this one mm. game now it doesn't matter how terrible the other team was what matters <laughs> I all 15, 15 yeah exactly okay so that one's still standing and uh the third I would probably say was the last time I played my son in one-on-one -on -one basketball I beat him right <laughs> and uh, I just want to leave it at that now yep. does it matter that he was 13 years old no no nope. it does not matter it matters that I beat him, and then I retired at that point. Exactly. All the that's what matters is just the facts of what happened. Like it happened. It's it happened. It. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't matter about any details. That's that come right. Along with it. So. And I'm overlooking a lot of backgammon championships that I won. Right. Back, oh, you play backgammon. Oh, a lot of backgammon. So I'm overlooking those to to go to that. You know, beating my son Vaughn when he was 13 in basketball. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. That was definitely personal. It was a private game. Yeah. Ellie, yeah, my, uh, my yeah. dad probably still thinks he can he can he can beat me, but he has a height <laughs> advantage. But other than that, I don't think. Uh, no, I wouldn't I don't think he has anything else on me. So. I would not take on a twenty-four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man! Again, I appreciate. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Really appreciate you for coming on um, today and dealing with me through all the technical issues that it, I was having. Uh, realize, of course, it was me um, all along. Like I said, unfortunately, it, it happened, but I was able to get it done. You know, on my phone and everything. So, appreciate yeah, you, you for sticking with um, Rudy Tom Johnovich hung in with me. We had similar issues with Rudy Tom mm-hmm. John. And he hung in with me. He had no reason to do that because, you know, he's Rudy Tom John of yep. Hall of Famer, right? Yep. And so, so we do, and we do the best. Jelani, you're going to be in a position uh, at some point where you're here hitting bake, and and you're and you're going to be uh, somebody else is going to have a problem on the other side that you're going to help. That's what we all do, man. We all help yeah, each other. It's it's uh yeah. This is like you said, technology it works when it wants to work, and uh, you know, you just got to roll. I guess roll with the punches. Got roll with Luckily, like I said, got it done. But um, before we head off, of course, I want you to. Share, you know, your social medias where everyone can find you, sure. find your uh, podcast, um, you know, the things that you write, everything. And then also any maybe words of wisdom for someone that either wants to start their own podcast, want to go into coaching um, and or just needs just, you know, uplifting word at all. So I love it, buddy. Um, well, that's my uh, Twitter handle right there is at Sports Stories DL. That's also my website. So you can find everything from our website, SportsStoriesDL.com. And that that's where you find us, YouTube. Uh, dot com and then ssdl so that's like sports stories jane lennon so you can find everything uh via that and um we appreciate any and all support there i i would say um you know i don't think you can have a successful day without doing for somebody else mm-hmm. and, and and if you think about that i learned that from coach wooden until you do something that's uncalled for mm-hmm. you're right that is isn't uh, that that you do something kind for somebody else and if we all you know kind of do that you'll find out that that good comes back around mm-hmm. and that's what's going to help you build whatever business you're getting after is is putting the kindness out there trying to do for others is going to help build what you want to build mm-hmm. and so so that's what I, I would say and and second coach Wooden always says uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail just mm-hmm. put the work in it'll get done Sir, I love that. Love that quote. Um, and so on that note, again, appreciate Mr. Dane Lennon for hopping on with us today. Uh, great conversation. Um, you guys know where to find me at, of course, uh, Twitter, What the Game, or WTGMTM podcast. And then, of course, everything else, uh, this live stream will be on you know, Twitter, YouTube, and you know my Facebook page, What the Game Means to Me as well. So thank you again, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lennon. And uh, you know, hope <laughs> you guys, God. hope you have a good day. Hope you guys are able to pull it out tonight, you know, push it to 3-1 as well. We'll do it. We'll do it. Thanks, Jelani. Of course. That does it for another episode of What the Game Means to Me. Have a good day, everybody. Well, that does it for today's episode, guys. Really hope you enjoyed the interview. Thank you again to Mr. Denny Lennon and his team for helping me put this together. You guys go follow their social media and their website for all their videos and content. They're doing a lot of great stuff. Like he said, next week they're going to have Jerry West on there and also Jeff Perlman, the author of Three Ring Circus. So definitely make sure you guys check out their content and everything that they're producing as well. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of What the Game Means to Me, and I'll catch you next time. Have a good one.